0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: The following is a message from heritagefoodsusa.com. The difference between wild Alaskan salmon and farmed Atlantic salmon is just as great as the differences between commodity pork and heritage breed pork huge heritagefoodsusa.com is lining up a major social buy of sustainably harvested salmon in july and offering it at a phenomenal price to consumers check out heritagefoodsusa.com for more details on how to get in on this opportunity experience salmon the way it should be
2: hello mr and mrs america from border to border coast to coast and all the ships at sea Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear vision. They're too bad for radio and too good looking for television. And now, here they are. To pluck the low-hanging fruit of the literati, your hosts,
1: Mike Edison and Judy McGuire.
3: Hello, it's Judy McGuire here with my co-host, Mike Edison, who is a little worse for the wear. Why's that, Mike? Well, I've
2: been celebrating, I've been partying, celebrating the new legalization of gay marriage in New York, what's clearly the central civil rights issue of our generation, and, you know, I'm totally straight, but I think I'm, like, totally cool enough to be gay.
3: I I, don't, uh, I I don't know about that. I see the way you're dressed, Mike.
2: <laughs> I make a lovely Dijon vinaigrette. As you know, I'm a big professional wrestling fan, and what is wrestling after all, except for a couple of sweaty men rolling around, exactly. half naked men in tights? Nice. Big on the ballet and the opera.
3: <laughs> you could totally pass. <laughs> and we're we're joined here by uh, Marty Beckerman. Marty's a funny man and the author of several books, including Democracy, Generation Slut, and the brand new The Hemingway: How to Unleash the Booze Inhaling, Animal Slaughtering, hairy Chested, Retrosexual Within, Just Like Papa. Welcome, Marty. Hey, thanks for having me
2: on. Right on. And later, later, I think we're going to play Canis Mas Macho with Marty. Truly, today
3: a show of magic and mayhem. And macho. And macho. So um, we're we're. Uh uh, we're Wait. expecting
2: a call from a very special, scary person today. And hopefully, he'll come through. Um, <laughs> and know, we won't
3: be from beyond the grave.
2: <laughs> but uh, meanwhile, i am already got your uh, new book out, The um, Hemingway. Uh, why, don't, why don't you fill us in on what this whole uh, macho movement
4: is? Well, the book is the Hemingway. It's a guide to life and masculinity based on the works of Ernest Hemingway. History's ultimate man. And really, uh, the book is getting at... Men, today, we we use Facebook, we use Twitter, we use Wikipedia and Google and Foursquare, on and on. We know how to do all this stuff, but we don't actually know how to do anything that doesn't involve technology. If you dropped us in the middle of the woods, we would be dead in half an hour. Because we can't hunt, we can't fish, we can't build shelter, we can't start a fire. We can't do anything the average Cub Scout can do.
2: I got news for you. It's worse than that. People don't even know how to knock on their neighbor's door and ask for a cup of sugar anymore. Because they're all sitting at their tables communicating on on their uh, prosthetics, their electronic prosthetics. We're
4: we're afraid to go outside because maybe the sun will (laughs) give us cancer.
3: It does give you cancer. I'm here to tell.
4: (laughs) Anyway, we went to Africa. (laughs) We won't, we won't leave the front door. Well, you know,
2: I know you're a mediator. I'm a mediator. Judy, you're, you're omnivore too, right?
3: Hell yeah. This is
2: what I say to the vegetarians. The, the zebra eats the lion, okay? Or the lion eats the zebra, rather. So what's your problem with the lion? You know, this is why God put us on earth. This is why we're at the top of the food chain.
4: Ego. That's what Ben Franklin said. Ben Franklin was actually a vegetarian until one day he was on a boat and someone caught a fish and opened up the fish and there was another fish inside of it. And he said, well, that's just the way of the world. And Ben Franklin was a pimp, so <laughs> he,
3: <laughs> yes, he, he, was.
2: he absolutely was. He actually invented the um, pornographic category of MILF with his um, "How to uh, What Was the Story?" How to attract a mistress? Um, re- advice for a young man. He recommends that uh, men should date older women who don't want to get married and can't have kids.
3: I didn't even know that. That's really uh, that's something. This is this is uh, in the very first issue of
2: uh, a Playboy. One Hugh Hefner, one of his contemporaries, Ben Franklin,
3: <laughs> uh, <the whole> for him. <laughs>
4: Equally perverted.
3: You guys got any thoughts on the Hefner uh, non-wedding? I, I I think that that woman had some good timing. Her iTunes song came out that day. The che- the runaway bride. I'm. I think they'll sell some issues. I don't even know how men can tell those women apart anymore. They're all. They all look the same to me. Well, this is
2: awful. And here's something. You know, a trend that's awful is like men shaving all their body hair off. Um, And and the women, too, of course, in Playboy haven't had hair since day one. Uh, You know, they look like mannequins. And now men are shaving their chest hair.
3: I think Marty knows a little something about waxing. Well,
4: right. For the Huffington Post, I did a video where... There's a video of this? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is. We went around New York, and I was giving a tour of all the things Hemingway would hate about modern American men. So we went by uh, Jamba Juice and Uh, Yoga Studios and on and on, uh, the Nintendo store. And I was saying, Nintendo, uh, Hemingway liked playing a game. It was called War.
3: (laughs) (laughs) With real guns, with real bullets.
4: Instead of a a Wii controller and just uh, hunting with that and shooting with that. Um, And the video uh, culminates with, we go to a spa for men... And I say, and this was actually cut, this part was cut from the video, but I say, what men are doing today, instead of putting hair on our balls, we're taking it off our balls. So I'm going to do literally, to make a point, I'm going to do literally what we're all doing metaphorically. And uh, a, a nice uh, Asian gentleman... Uh, <laughs> pulled the 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 hair out of my flesh the hair that had been there since i hit about 12 13
2: <laughs> it sounds like a combination between jackass and anthony wiener
4: right and i thought <laughs> i thought i would have to sell this for the camera like i would have to scream extra hard oh yeah to really sell it to make it work on camera you got to exaggerate a little there was no exaggeration it hurt that
2: much <laughs> yeah well let me ask you did he cup your balls gently
4: Uh, he was very gentle. And there was actually a little, a nice little massage on the chest uh, with some oil afterward. It was very soothing.
3: Didn't they slap their hand down after they pulled the wax out? And don't you have more sympathy for women
4: now? I guess I do. The most painful part actually wasn't having the hair ripped out. It was the itchy, painful red dots that were all over my body for, like, Three or four days straight, and I kept slathering lotion on. Yeah. I mean, well, I do that anyway, but specifically, you—you
3: <laughs> you are a moisturizer, huh?
4: Well, no, that's not very that Hemingway. It's yeah, cream, it's cream. I mean, it was—it was like herpes all over my chest. It probably it was, really... was
3: a form of herpes because you went to a dirty, <laughs> dirty place. If you—you you have to pay extra for the fresh wax, otherwise, you get other people's cooties inside of you. No way,
2: dude.
3: Yeah, yeah, they're no opening. Way. Yeah, when you get when you get those little raised bumps, it's—it's it's somebody else's
2: nasty I don't have I I had
4: somebody else's nasty inside of me that's (laughs) it's like the night they legalized gay marriage
2: and what a night that was (laughs) was. (laughs) and what a night that was seriously you know except for the part that I don't like having sex with other men I think I'd be a great gay guy
3: <laughs> I think that's a pretty big part. Yeah, and plus, you it's a most big of your fr-
2: aren't
3: most of your friends women anyway.
2: You know, I, I do love women. I don't know if most of my friends are women. And you know, here I think you know your central thesis of your book um, and Hemingway too. It seems to be an anti-woman agenda here. And look, let's face it: women rule the world. Women are smarter. Women Pussy not rule is the world. undefeated. I mean, when has when the pussy ever
3: lost? Ever. The pussy loses every day. Oh, yeah. Don't make me get shrill. <laughs> or hysterical. <laughs> As is my way. But Marty is an engaged, uh, an engaged man. So. Hey, hey, Jack, you have that clip for us? Yet engaged man. I think this is when I was reading
2: Marty's book. This is what I was thinking of.
1: The meeting is now in order. <laughs> we all know there's a Mugula-Cutty girl who gave a party that day. And not one of us was invited. Now what do you say if we form a new club and call it the he men woman Hairs Club? <laughs> now I think we ought to have a president. <laughs> now the man we elect must be the worst woman-hater of us all. So I nominate Alfalfa because he hates women.
3: <laughs> but along with Alfalfa, Hemingway seemed to have kind of a low opinion of women. Why did he get married four times? Yeah, I
4: was going to say, Hemingway didn't hate women. He loved women. He loved them enough to marry four of them. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and uh, divorce uh, four of them, or three of them anyway. Uh, divorce three of them, yeah. Well, what a lot of Hemingway's woman issues might come back to, when he was a kid, his mother, who was kind of crazy, uh, dressed him in pink dresses like and, Charles
3: Manson's mother.
4: Oh. Oh, and you think that may have had some latent psychological effects? <laughs> and flowered bonnets and made him grow his hair as long and as his flower sisters. Flower bonnets? Yeah. And and made him grow his hair as long as his sisters. And when he was 4 years old, Hemingway didn't know that people knew he was a boy. He assumed people thought he was a girl. And as I say in the book, this maybe had something, just something to do with his lifelong quest to prove his masculinity to everybody on Earth.
3: Yep. And what was his what was his um, loving nickname for his mother?
4: That bitch? <laughs> 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 there was uh, one of his contemporaries who said they'd never met anyone who truly despised their mother until they met Hemingway.
3: <laughs> well, it sounds like she was pretty despisable. Yet he did keep getting married, and... Um and he did keep cheating on them, too. And what was it? Slapped one?
4: Right. And there was one... He was in World War II uh, over there sort of as a correspondent slash... Well, that, that, we'll get to that story in a minute. Okay. <laughs> but his wife was there. This was his third wife. And she was a war correspondent as well. She was a writer as well. And they had a lot of professional jealousy in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to steal one of mm-hmm. her stories, he took uh, a plane from one location to another and made her ride on a ship laden with dynamite <laughs> and a cargo <laughs> ship with a bunch of dynamite while he took a safe plane.
3: He was a
2: charmer. So do we think uh, short sentences are more macho than long sentences? He would love
4: Twitter. 140- would- <laughs> so many of his great quotes are 140 characters or less. And then
2: you have a guy like Norman Mailer, like, you know, possibly mas macho than uh, Mr. Hemingway, whose idea of a short sentence lasted for four or five pages. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also a serial, uh, serial marriager, marriager, marrier.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Slash wife stabber. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, his first uh, great book is very famously about shooting his wife.
3: (laughs) Why were so many famous male writers kind of women haters? Well, let me quote
2: something here from Marty's book, and maybe this will help explain. Um, Women exhale bullshit like men exhale carbon dioxide.
3: I think men are far more prone to bullshitting than women are. I'm telling you, the pussy wins every time. That's because when when has a man ever
2: brought a woman down from power?
3: When Uh, has a woman been in power to bring down? Well,
2: you know, actually, I think maybe those tables are turning. We have um, the new pantsuit generation of female powerful uh, political (laughs) people.
3: Pantsuit generation, (laughs) right? We have
2: have, you know the uh, president of Germany or the prime minister, whatever her title is, and of course uh, Hillary Clinton, who um, is possibly the most powerful woman. In America? Now that Oprah's off TV. Huh. Well,
4: you know, my book isn't anti-woman. I, I, it's really more pro-man. <laughs> it's really about... I'm
3: not a racist. I just like white people better. <laughs> oh, oh.
2: What's, what's wrong with being sexy? Exactly.
4: <laughs> I mean, the book is really saying what's become of men. We are becoming vegetarians and becoming... Or vegans. Uh, or oh, vegans that's indefensible. And defensive. we're going to Alcoholics Anonymous. For quitters. Yes, we're a bunch of quitters and a bunch of sissies, and this has nothing to do with women, and I love women, I'm going to marry one, this book isn't about hating women, it's about standing up for ourselves as men.
3: Well, I really, I'm always disturbed by the man in the yoga studio, more than any other, like, pussification. The pussification is harsh. The first
2: time I saw a man smoking the Parliament cigarette, I mean, this really shocked me to my very core. I mean, since when did that become a man's brand? Okay, men, with the exception of Galois, should never smoke white-tip cigarettes.
3: It's wrong <laughs> and that recessed filter you know what that means I do not and I'm telling you I would think that well never mind mm. um, okay so so uh, there was this the times ran a story about a year ago about the caveman diet is it would, oh. would 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 <laughs> Ernest uh, <laughs> would he approve of this
4: he would approve of hunting a saber tooth tiger with a spear and eating that That's what you you mean by the caveman diet.
3: Not keeping a giant side of beef in your freezer in your Upper West Side apartment?
4: No, he preferred to get the meat himself. And what's really interesting, Hemingway believed in getting the meat himself because he wanted to appreciate what died for him. It was sort of a DIY aesthetic.
3: (laughs) didn't, Didn't he enjoy watching things die, maybe?
4: Uh, well, he, he enjoyed killing them, yes He was so. a big
2: fan of the bullfights, of
4: course I mean, right, wrote, yeah, You know, right. Death in
2: the Afternoon, a very famous work uh, on bullfights um, And the premise of a bullfight, of course, is that the bull is brave and dies nobly Yeah, you know, That's something that would be very contrary, I think, to um, the pussified man of today Actually, the most sane and rational people But that is the concept of a bullfight,
4: is that the bull dies bravely It's yes. a toro bravo Hemingway would hate factory farming He really believed in free-range organic meat He just preferred to kill it himself in the jungle much like the people here at the Heritage Food Network,
2: exactly. farm to table. You know, actually, I mean that's so it's trendy now, but really, nothing could be more old-fashioned.
4: Exactly, what well, could be more free-range than the wild outdoors? We're still waiting for our magician to call.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think he, that I'm going to have to change my voice and is. pretend that yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, he has vanished. I'll tell you what. Why
2: don't we take a short break? We got a, a song to play one more time. This is the Mike and Judy Show on the Heritage Radio Network. This is I'm a Man.
1: service announcement from heritage radio network take a swig of beer sessions radio every tuesday at 5 p.m with jimmy caraboni the owner of jimmy's number 43 and ray Dieter, owner of dba beer loving tours offer toasts share craft beer news and swap anecdotes about their lives on the front lines of the craft beer movement again beer sessions radio every tuesday at 5 p.m on the heritage radio network
3: we're back with Mike Edison and Marty Beckerman. Marty, one of my favorite quotes in your book was from the from Jermaine Greer, who is not like a real yuck, yuckster normally, but Ernest Hemingway, when his cock wouldn't stand up, he blew his head off. He sold himself on a line of bullshit and bought it. That's really sad. Is that truly why he blew his head off? Because he couldn't get it up?
4: Well, he did say that if a man continues to eat meat, he'll be able to perform sexually well into his 70s and 80s, so... Uh, hopefully Hemingway kept eating meat later in life. Uh, why did he kill himself? His his mind was kind of going. He couldn't write anymore. Right. He struggled to write three sentences. Uh, he he'd lost his his. his Greatest skill. Well, re- drinking was his greatest skill. <laughs> but the doctors told him not to drink anymore, and he compromised to a, a, a diet of just having tequila for breakfast
3: <laughs> instead of what three <laughs> and bottles bourbon of bourbon for breakfast.
4: Exactly. That's not e- that's not even a joke. So. The book, The Hemingway, is it's humor and it's parody, but sometimes it's really hard to tell where the biography ends and where the joke starts. Yeah. Because it's true. He agreed to compromise to a breakfast of champagne and bourbon and gin and tequila. <laughs> well,
2: it and- sounds to me like Hemingway, like, like you, Hefner, is what we call in the wrestling business a mark for his own gimmick. In other words, he's created this persona so much that he's buying into it, and he's buying into his own shtick. And once once you know, once you've gone gone down that road, it's hard to escape.
4: He had to become the cartoon character. I think a similar thing happened with uh, Hunter S. Thompson, who whom I interviewed <laughs> yeah. in two thousand three. And it's actually really haunting. Hunter uh, Thompson wrote this thing in the seventies where he went to Hemingway's house and wrote this whole thing, trying to figure out why did Hemingway kill himself? Why did Hemingway kill himself? And many of the reasons that Thompson pontificated upon, if you read that now, n- knowing what we know about. Hunter Thompson is just really terrifying, <laughs> really haunting about being trapped in your own cartoon character yeah. and having to meet the public's expectations and seeing your body dissolve and seeing your writing talent. Even though, actually, some of the stuff Hunter was writing toward the end, people thought it was total mush at the time. The nine eleven, the post-9-11 stuff and the anti-Bush stuff, at, at the time, uh, people thought it was it was crazy But if you go back It's really and, and it's ten years Ahead of its time well,
2: People were slagging him too When he was writing for ESPN I think it was when Exactly he was writing that column And the Generation of Swine book Which was a compilation of columns And it's You know He started leaning On his own tricks a little bit too much a little bit too much of the book of Revelation a little bit too much of the obvious tropes of the gonzo thing and obviously it was wasted but when you go back and read it the energy is, is flawless I mean it's, it's really very much that big rock and roll rush in 700 word bursts which is a fine way to read Hunter Thompson
3: yeah did you did you go out to Colorado to interview him
4: no I interviewed him in New York City he, he wouldn't do the interview unless I brought him drugs at 2 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a long story I was in college then it wasn't difficult
2: you know the times I've met Hunter Thompson twice um, were at uh, you know speaking engagements right. at, at colleges and invariably though he's there and trying and incomprehensible has a giant you know bucket of ice and Chivas Regal and lots and lots of ice. And uh, I think at Columbia, he had a shotgun on the table with him. Totally incomprehensible, but doesn't stop the the kids. Basically, all they want to do is raise their hands. And you think an intelligent question is
4: coming there on the campus of an Ivy League school, and all the kid says is, hey man, want to do some drugs after the show? Exactly. I think he was trapped in that a bit and probably resented it. Maybe he had to play that for the crowds, but he was a really, really brilliant man, a really incredibly intelligent guy.
2: Who met a similar fate self-inflicted fate to uh, Papa Hemingway.
4: Right. At one point, I had two posters over my writing desk. One was of Hunter Thompson, and the other was of Hemingway. And one day I looked up, and I'm like, I have two suicides looking down (laughs) at me. This is creepy. This is kind of creepy, and I took them down, sadly.
3: Yeah, it might be time for some inspirational hanging there kitty posters. <laughs> <thing>.
2: <laughs> and what about this uh, the craze of these cute kitty pictures all over Facebook? I mean... I as, think Hemingway
3: is, was a cat fan. He was a
2: big cat fan.
4: Oh, yeah, he would have loved YouTube and watching all the kitties playing with string, <laughs> as long as they had six toes.
2: Wait, you're right, because that's right. But do you see Hemingway looking at I... What's the... What's the LOL cat. LOL cat and I has, cheese, <laughs> and I cat, has yeah. cheeseburger. And um, I was very proud to see your cat on the cheeseburger site, the um, Inky
3: is celebrating gay marriage.
2: It's
4: awesome. And of course, today is Gay Pride Day.
3: Now, yay! Yay! And to celebrate, I see you're wearing flip-flops.
4: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bring my mirth today.
2: <laughs> you know, I mean, I think men should never wear flip-flops. The male flip-flop is, is wrong. Listen, Marty's
3: ha- toes are okay.
2: Marty's toes are okay. I'm not looking at them.
4: I didn't manscape my toes, so at least there's
1: that.
3: No, my boyfriend has like hobbit toenails that are practically curved down and click as he hits the floor, and he still sometimes wears flip flops. That is wrong. Men need to pay more attention to their toenails. I think I think
2: you know the male clog is an improvement over the male flip flop. I disagree. I don't think men should wear sandals. I think Jesus Christ or maybe Julius Caesar was the last guy who could do it right.
3: I'm. Yeah, I, I don't like the sandals, but flip-flops, it looks like they're, you're on your way to something, like the beach. Well,
2: I forgot the beach, it's okay. You know, the way I grew up in New York City, you know, I was told that you had to buy shoes and things that were tough that lasted, that the city was going to, you know, beat up on you, and it was a dirty place. So the idea of walking down the street in 99-cent sandals to me... It makes no sense. My brain rejects it. Sort of like the first time Ted Nugent heard reggae music, his brain just <laughs> rejected that shit.
4: People have been asking me who's our modern Hemingway, and I guess I say the closest we come maybe is Ted Nugent, except that he doesn't drink, so he can never be Papa's equal.
2: I love the Ted Nugent not drinking gimmick. You know, the no drugs, no true? drinking. Yeah, I do think it's true. And but you know, he was a draft dodger, which seems kind of contrary to his whole that's story. Not Hemingway, right? Mm. He went down to um, I guess they were in Ann Arbor or Detroit, where you know, Michigan, where they're from, right? Uh when he was playing um, in uh, um, well, this Motor City band, what were they called again? Please? Oh God, I don't know. You know um, anyway, he went down there and he said he took a bunch of speed and some acid and basically shit himself. And they put a needle in his arm, and he went home and ate a few bison steaks and some cheese and some beans. And was back to be a young rock and Ted, but he took drugs to dodge the draft.
4: Ah.
3: Hemingway would have taken drugs because they were fun.
4: Well, Hemingway actually went head first into war three times. Yeah. He was in World War One as an ambulance driver because he couldn't get. Into the military. Uh, there's there's because, something wrong with that too. <laughs> because of his vision, they wouldn't let him into the military. Because an ambulance driver doesn't need to see a straight, of no. course. And then uh, he was in the Spanish Civil War and hanging out with the guerrilla fighters there. And then in World War II, I said I'd get to this story. So he went over there. He was a worldwide celebrity by this point. A mess. He was like the William Shatner of his time. You know, he was just a ubiquitous <laughs> presence everywhere. And he was over there, this mass worldwide celebrity, and he convinced all these American generals and admirals that he was a brilliant uh, war strategist. And they gave him bazookas and <laughs> grenade <laughs> launchers and guns because he told them what he was going to do. He was going to take his boat, the Pilar. He was going to take his boat and chase Nazi submarines with it. He's going to hunt Nazi submarines <laughs> from his boat. Well, yeah. Bazooka. Uh, and, and the generals and the admirals were like, "Well, he, he, you know, he's written all these books about war. He must <laughs> be. He
3: must know. You know." <laughs>
4: Uh, so they gave him his artillery what he did was he went out to the middle of the ocean and he took the grenades and he threw them out there and fish would pop up and he called <laughs> it grenade fishing I like
3: it. you know
2: I'd like to have a shoulder mounted rocket launcher I've always kind of wanted one or a tank maybe it would be kind of cool
4: Go, go ask Ted Nugent He might have
3: you know, He probably does have one You
2: know, where I lost it with Ted Is I really thought That was, you know, a good angle Okay, the guy says I don't need drugs Because I rock so hard Adrenaline is my drug um, I mean, it gets a little silly When he's firing drummers For getting stoned after the show Yeah um, But I, I like Ted's thing You know, I've seen him play Blowing a drugged up Aerosmith off the stage Back in the day When Aerosmith could Barely tune their guitars And Ted, who's totally sober I mean, just mopped it up Comes Swinging onto the stage Wearing a loincloth And by the end of the show He's shooting flaming arrows Into his amplifiers But where he lost me recently this is all this Tea Party garbage. Right, right. Speak yeah. English or die. Shit. I mean, it turned dark in a way that I cannot support. Unfortunately.
4: Yeah, I agree. Uh, but in in the past decade, uh, back in the aughts, he had this reality show. It was like a game show where he'd have vegans and, and vegetarians on there. And this one episode, part one of the games, I'm pretty sure I'm not making this up. I, I was pretty uh, not sober back then, but I'm pretty sure this actually happened. One of the games on his reality show was he would chase vegans with a truck, and he, they had to dodge his <laughs> truck. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think we should play a game.
3: You want? You guys want to play a game? Sure, let's let's play a game. Let's
2: play Kian Smas Mas Macho. Hey, Jack, you got any music for Kian Smas Mas Macho? Maybe um, some Mike and Judy music for Can uh, S. Mas Macho? All right, let's uh, start off with an easy one. Kian Smas Mas Macho. Elton John or Rod Stewart?
4: I don't know if Elton John would do those covers of the Great American Songbook that my mom buys, so I'm going to go with Elton John. You
3: think what Rod just did, a, uh, that's right, that's a good point. Quor- and Rod had Do Ya Think I'm Sexy. Yeah, do ya? You think it's the ya, uh, do ya? Yeah, I think it's Elton John as the winner. On, on,
2: a t- on a tangent, I'm trying to, um, this is the decade, I'm going to take back the word fabulous for straight men. I didn't know... No, it's, it's been it's been a gay thing for at least 10 years I mean, my gay brothers and sisters can have Fab They can have Fabu But Fabulous, I'm taking back You right. go, girl how, Yeah, how was the Mike and Judy show last night? Fabulous Okay, Kenis Mas Masmacho Bob Weir or Johnny Weir? Johnny Weir <laughs> I love Johnny
3: Weir
2: Bob Weir can, you know The most useless man in rock, I agree I mean, which is more difficult To play a version of Sugar Magnolia Or to do that triple axel whatever Yeah,
3: I love Johnny Weir
4: this is just blowing your macho brain, isn't it? Uh, Johnny Weir is the skater, the and Bob game. Weir is from the Grateful Dead, I think he's the most macho right? because he, he didn't Grateful know who Dead, either
2: right? them he, He's too macho to know, uh, you know, because ice hockey always better than ice capets.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> much about, about uh, skating, and I don't know much about the Grateful Dead, so... So you win. Metallica. Let's talk Metallica. Uh, <laughs> just
2: kidding. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. must macho. The Brady Bunch or the Partridge family?
3: partridge family i love them really
2: i'm going for the brady bunch on this one did you see the story in today's paper about um uh mrs brady catching, catching crabs, crabs from mary Lindsay. From, yeah, from mary lindsey <laughs> um i wish i hope al goldstein's reading that story his arch enemy lindsey carol brady <laughs> no mary <laughs> lindsey okay rip taylor or taylor swift
3: Ugh, okay. Taylor Swift. Uh, no. No, Rip Taylor would win that. I love I love Rip Taylor. I like Rip Taylor. I love too. Rip Taylor.
2: We need confetti on the show. Okay, here's a tricky one. Crosby, Stills or
3: Nash? Young. Young.
2: <laughs> 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 All right. And here for you art students in the audience, Monet or Manet? Ugh. Mona. Monet, Manet.
3: I like Monet better. There's, better.
2: There's, there's nothing.
4: I don't know much about French things. Actually, Hemingway <laughs> likes French things. So, <laughs> Wow,
2: French frilly things. But there is really nothing gayer than Impressionism, truly. Mm. And the last one uh, for you. Not that there's anything wrong with that. For our special guest today, Marty Beckerman, Canis Masmacho, Mike or Judy. <laughs>
4: All I'm right. going to call the tie. Who's buying me beer and pizza afterward? That's
2: right. We're splitting it. All right. Okay, it's, I'm
4: going to go with the tie then.
2: All right. The tag team that cannot be beat it's the Mike and Judy show. Thanks once again to the Heritage Food Network, Roberta's, and our special guest, Marty Beckerman. And if that's a new magician who hoped you're listening who didn't call in, 86. Where can we get your book, Marty, before we go? Amazon.com.
3: The Hemingway. All
2: right, I'm on my way to the Gay Pride Parade.
3: Wanna be, wanna be.
5: This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. This particular article comes from Grist, which is a wonderful website. Uh, To satisfy the legal system's pesky demand for environmental impact studies of novel GMO crops, the USDA has settled upon the brilliant solution. Let the GMO industry conduct its own environmental impact studies or pay other researchers to do so. The USDA announced the program in the Federal Register for April 7, 2011. Of course, the biotech and agrochemical industry has applauded the new plan. Karen Batra of the Biotechnology Industry Organization told the Oregon-based ag journal Capital Press that the program will likely speed up the registration process for GMO crops and make the USDA's approval less vulnerable to legal challenges. Capital Press summed up Batra's assessment of the plan like this. The pilot program will not only help move crops through the process more quickly, but the added resources will also help the documents hold up in court. In other words, the industry plans to produce studies that find its novel products environmentally friendly and fully expects the USDA to accept their assessments. This has been behind-the-scenes food news with Katie Kiefer.
1: Nicole Taylor is always the first to talk with new and exciting personalities in the food world on her show, Hot Grease. Check out a little clip.
5: Everything is super sweet in the Heritage Radio Network studios today. We're chatting with Fanny Gerson. Fanny is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and the 2011 James Beard Foundation Cookbook Award nominee. Oh my God, we fry in bed style. We have to talk dough. Donuts. I'm gonna have to say, Fanny. I don't know if you know this. I was definitely the first person in Brooklyn to start talking about <laughs> dough. Did you know that? I, I knew that last time I saw you. Ah, uh, but I didn't know that before. So we have to talk dough. I mean, it, it is it is a bonafide phenomenon in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm so excited to be part of it, I, and I can't believe it. <laughs> you know. I mean, I was just telling you before the show that uh, I think about a month ago I went to Dough on a Sunday at two o'clock, and all the donuts. You like were what going. you hear?
1: You can hear Hot Grease every Monday at 3.30 p.m. live on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast or check it out in our archives.